Uh, 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 Podcast starts now. Okay, we've got two big segments to get to today, and not much else. We've got the draft grades, and uh, I know everybody is very excited about that. They've been hyped up big time, and we'll get to that here shortly. Then after that, we will finally do the uh, two-minute drill. We'll call it a tutorial, but it's basically advice on on how you should go about a two-minute drill. Uh, And then we do have some uh, listener mail, some fan mail, at the very end of the podcast. But, so that's a lot to get to. I, I don't want it to be too long of a podcast, so we're going to get started right now. We're going to go to the draft grades, and I just took screenshots on my phone so I could remember these because I don't have Madden up right now. <clears throat> uh, but we'll go over draft grades for all the user uh, teams in our league. Now, these grades are very important. I, I think everyone is going to hang on every word here. I will break down what I think of each team's draft. I'm not going to go player by player all the way through it, but I'll break down what I what impressions I had of their draft, um, and then I will give the actual letter grade. And now this letter grade comes from a very complex and very accurate algorithm uh, that I spent weeks developing. I mean, you may have noticed that on last year's draft, we didn't have draft grades because we were still working on, on this algorithm. Um, I even enlisted a couple of former NASA scientists, so you know it's going to be right. So those those letter grades, very important, may not be necessarily related to my commentary, um, but that certainly factors into it. So let's get to the Chiefs. The Chiefs uh, just had you know, their normal picks this year. They didn't trade up. They didn't have multiple picks in any round that I can tell. Uh, they were picking 29th, and their first-round pick was a 69 overall right tackle. And then after that, they got a corner and a free safety. And I think all of those guys are going to play for this team and contribute. So uh, they're getting a little bit of value there uh, from those players. And and considering where they were picking and that they didn't accumulate more picks, that's really a pretty good job by the Chiefs. Uh, The one thing I'm going to ding them on, this will affect their, their draft grade, is that they are the only team I've ever seen in our league to draft a player that was under 50 overall, and that was the running back they took in the sixth round. Now, it's the sixth round. Those picks really don't matter all that much, but still, I've never seen anybody draft uh, a player that was that lowly rated. So, a rare distinction for the Chiefs there. Uh, we crunch the numbers, and the Chiefs' draft grade is a B-. minus. B- minus for the Chiefs. Moving on to the Browns. The Browns were picking 2nd overall and also 12th overall. Uh, They also had two 4th round picks, so the Browns are really looking to restock. They lost some people in free agency, but they still got a pretty strong roster. And with the 2nd overall pick, they got Glenn Monroe, who was the top player on my board, and I think he's an absolute stud. Uh, He's going to be great for the Browns, so that's a great pick there. Then they got a middle linebacker at number 12 overall. Uh, he's a 73 overall, and he's going to be pretty good, too. He'll develop. You know the Browns can develop their linebackers. Um, and they got a center that's okay, 67 overall. And then after that, wide receiver, running back, another cornerback that's going to be buried on the depth chart. The, these wide, rece- wide receiver and running back were drafted for speed, and they don't have much in the way of skill. 
the Browns, from what I hear uh, inside that organization, are very confident they can develop those two players. I don't know. It's it's going to be a long road for those two to become you know Pro Bowl kind of players. Um, but maybe the Browns know what they're doing. So I thought those picks weren't great. You can take some chances later in the draft, but those were third and fourth round picks. Those are picks that should get on the field for your team pretty quickly. So that drops their grade a little bit. But again, that Glenn Monroe pick, that's a home run. So the grade for the Browns is a B-. Moving on to the Patriots. This one's, this one's interesting. Um, I almost gave the Patriots an F here because they traded away Kyler Murray in the offseason, and they traded him in their own division. So they're going to play against an angry Kyler Murray twice a year. We're going to get two Kyler Murray revenge games a year, which I'm looking forward to. Um, but they did that, and they had the first and third overall picks. So everyone was thinking they're going to go get uh, Phil Corcoran, from Clemson, and that's going to be their franchise quarterback, and that's really what they should have done, but they didn't, and in fact, they're just playing with Daniel Jones, who I think is 31, maybe older than that now, and not that great of a quarterback, so I think they kind of blew it there. Now, they got two pretty good players with those first two uh, first-round picks, uh, defensive tackle Donnell Stark and Hinton, the free safety. But you could argue they could have had better players at both of those picks. Um, Anthony Norton, who was picked by the 49ers, I think is certainly a better defensive tackle than Stark. And uh, Hinton, it's arguable that, uh, what's his name, Vaughn Miles, I think, the uh, strong safety who won the Heisman, it's arguable that that guy maybe should have been the pick there. They're both close in overall rating. Miles is a little higher. Um, so they're kind of dubious picks there. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the thinking is. Now, the Patriots did do a good job in the second and third rounds of finding quality offensive linemen that will either start or add depth for their team. Um, So those were good picks there. Uh, But then they get the rather dubious hat trick. Uh, I think this is the only time I've ever seen it, of being a team that drafts a kicker, punter, and fullback all in the same draft. And I know they already had a kicker on their roster. I think they already had one of those other positions, too. So... Really weird strategy by the Patriots. And, and of course, not getting a replacement quarterback for Kyler Murray. Uh, almost gave him an F, but a couple good players here. So the Patriots get a B-. Moving on to the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers picked 9th and 31st. And there were rumors that the Panthers wanted to move down from the number 9 pick. Uh, it didn't end up happening. They also had two second-round picks. And the Panthers really accumulated, in their first five picks, players that were 70 or above. So that's pretty solid all the way across. Uh, Their ninth pick was uh, Damon Kelly, running back. He's a 77 overall. Then they got a right end that was a 72 overall. I believe he's been converted to an outside backer. Uh, They got a corner, third year in a row that they've drafted a corner really high. That was their their, uh, first second-round pick. And then Langford, the tight end from KU. Uh, and he looks like a pretty good player there. So this was one of the stronger drafts, I think, uh, even though I know the Panthers did not think this was a great draft class. I think they got a pretty strong draft here. I know Langford is a hidden development trait. Uh, I'm not sure about those other guys. Um, the, the biggest drawback for them 
is that they took a Kansas player, and those guys really don't work out in the NFL. In fact, it's amazing any of them make it to the NFL. Um, but overall, the Panthers are drafting for what works for their team because they will play a lot of three tight end, two tight end sets. So for the Panthers, let's see, their grade, after all the arithmetic and the math, their grade was a B-. And lastly, the Packers. The Packers went into this draft really needing some defense. Uh, they lost a lot in the offseason, and I think they were planning to draft defense. Um, but when the Patriots passed on Phil Corcoran, then the Packers really couldn't pass him up. Uh, they've got Kendall Dillard in the last year of his contract and really looking to save some money and maybe move on from him. So having Corcoran fall right into their lap, uh, that worked well for them. They got a running back at 19 overall who's very physically talented, probably going to develop into a great player. And after that, they got some decent players, a left outside linebacker and a uh, wide receiver, corner, D-tackle. Uh, some of those guys are going to play, and they're going to contribute a little bit. So the Packers not sticking with their strategy, uh, we'll see. We'll see if that was a good idea. Uh, but the players they got are good. And if they hit on a franchise quarterback, then of course this is this is a great pick for them. So when we crunch the numbers on this, it is obvious that the Packers get an A+. So I look forward to the listener feedback I'm going to get on the draft grades. You all know I'm right on those. Now we uh, really going long here. So let's get on to our clock management slash two-minute drill uh, thing that we're going to go over. Um, <clears throat> because in our league, we, we've seen a lot of kind of mismanaged situations here. And I don't know if there's a, a wrong way to do it. Yeah, yeah, there is a wrong way to do it. But I wouldn't say there's necessarily always a right way to manage the clock. But you can definitely do it wrong. You can definitely blow opportunities. So I'm going to give you kind of the way to think about it that, that might help. <clears throat> So first of all, some of the controls you're going to need to know. Uh, at any time during the game, uh, right at the end of a play, if you press and hold triangle, then your offense will go no huddle, and you'll get right back on the ball. It usually runs some time off. It's usually about 12 seconds. If it was a running play and you know everybody's kind of in the same area, it's usually less than that, it's maybe six seconds. But if it was a pass play, it's usually 12 seconds for everybody to get lined up. That's how much time it'll run off. I think it should probably be less than that. A lot of teams can get lined up in about seven or eight seconds these days, but whatever. Uh, so you can always go no huddle with triangle. Now also, at when you're at your play screen, your play menu screen, uh, down at the bottom there are some controls and some options, and one of them is if you hit L1, you can toggle through chew clock or no huddle. And if you hit L1 at the end, beginning of your drive, then you will go no huddle for the entire drive. So that's also an option for you. I think if there's an incomplete pass or something like that, it will stop the no huddle uh, until you, you know, get going again. <clears throat> uh, also, spike ball is circle. If you hold circle just like you would if you were holding triangle, then you will rush to the line of scrimmage, and then you've got to snap the ball, obviously, but you'll, uh, you'll call the spike ball. I think there's also an option in there to fake spike. I haven't tried it, so I don't. I haven't seen if that's an option, but I'll bet it is. I don't think that's ever going to work against the computer. I don't think they're, the DBs are just going to stand there while you fake spike, but 
who knows, maybe it'll work. Um, I think those are pretty much all the controls you need to know. Obviously, you need to know how to handle all your audibles and call plays at the line of scrimmage, but if you can't do that by now, I can't help you. So, you know, you may as well just turn this off if you can't do that. Um, but once you know your controls there, <clears throat> then, then you want to think about how to approach the situation. You want to have a plan at the beginning. So you're starting out this drive, and there are a couple of things you need to consider. One is, what is the least acceptable outcome of this drive? So let's take a situation, say you're down by three points, and you have two minutes, under two minutes, something like that, left on the clock in the fourth quarter. In that case, you're going to say to yourself, the least acceptable option for me is the last play of this drive, I need to be making a field goal attempt, right? Anything else means you lose. Obviously, you want to score a touchdown, and the best case scenario would be you score a touchdown. You don't leave your opponent any time or under 20 seconds. Usually, if you leave them under 20 seconds, they really can't do anything with that. Um, that's the best case scenario, but you need to preserve for yourself the worst case scenario. So if my worst case scenario is I got to have a chance to kick a field goal, that means I need to get, you also need to know your field goal range, but for me, that's probably, I need to get inside the 30 or, or even closer than that. And then you need to have time to call the field goal. So that time is either going to need to be about 20 seconds or it's going to need to be a timeout to stop the clock so you can call your field goal. And here's one thing that'll help you is to think about the resources you have at your disposal. You really do this throughout the game, you just don't realize it because it's a really simple calculation. You think about the downs as resources. I have four downs to get a first down or punt. In the uh, clock management situation, in the two-minute drill, you have to think about more of the resources. Time now becomes a critical resource. Your timeouts become a critical resource. When you think about it this way, it helps you make decisions. For instance, if I'm starting out my two-minute drill and I'm wanting to get down there, let's say I, I'm going for the touchdown and I just got a touchback, so I'm starting at my own 25-yard line. If I call a running play and get six yards, I am now exchanging either 20 seconds. I, I would say any time that you get tackled inbounds during a two-minute drill, it's going to cost you 15 to 20 seconds, maybe even a little more. Uh, so that's going to cost you 20 seconds or a timeout. So are the resources you're giving up worth the six yards you gained on the running play? That's something you need to consider before you call that running play, unless you're sure that play is going to pop open and go for big yards. I find this very helpful. When I coach football players, I teach them to think like this. So if you're the quarterback and you're throwing the ball, you need to make the same calculation before you throw the little check down pass that may not go anywhere. Or if you're going to throw a slant, slants are really popular in our league. If you're going to throw a slant and gain 12 yards, is it worth what you're giving up to get that 12 yards? Maybe it is. If you're not thinking you need to go 75 yards for a touchdown, if you're thinking you need to go about 50 yards to get in the field goal range, or even less than 50 yards, then that slant may very well be worth a timeout or worth burning the 20 to 30 seconds. I think this is the most important way to approach a two-minute drill, and I think it helps anybody that does it. 
<clears throat> that way you know that you're preserving at the end, hey, I have to have a resource of either 20 seconds or a timeout to kick that field goal. If I'm playing this play and it's going to cost me 20 seconds and the play after that's going to cost me 20 seconds and I'm going to use my timeouts and I'm only going 15 yards in this time, i got to do something different. you got to go for bigger chunks of yardage then. And, of course, that's always the best thing in a two-minute drill is you need at least one play that's a big chunk of yardage. I'm talking 20 yards or more. And oftentimes in a two-minute drill, those are easier to get down the middle because the defense should know they want to defend the sideline. And and that's another thing that a couple of people in our league could probably learn to do better is throw the ball to the sideline. I know it can be dangerous to throw it there, but... Throwing to the sideline allows you to preserve your resources. It preserves time, and it preserves timeouts. Now, <clears throat> I'm big on never spiking the ball. I would rather try to run a quick sideline route, because it's only going to cost me a few more seconds. If it's not there, I can throw an incomplete pass. That's harder to do in a video game than it is in real life, because we have to throw it away, and we have to make sure we throw it away where it's a receiver, and you don't always have control over that. Um, but spiking the ball is still going to cost you about 12 seconds to get lined up, then you got to snap it and spike it. That's one or two seconds. Might as well call a play that has some out routes on it and spend another three seconds trying to complete one of those routes and get out of bounds. Uh, that's, that's how I've always approached it at any rate. Um, now, of course, smart defenses are going to try to dis defend the sidelines, so you got to look at what you're seeing, and that's where you might have a chance to get a big shot down the middle of the field. Uh, same thing would be true of a screen pass or, or something like that. That might be a play that could go for big yards. It also could possibly be a play that gets you tackled in bounds without going anywhere, and that's really costly. One thing you need to avoid at all costs is a sack. Those are the most costly. They cost more time because receivers have to come farther back from being down the field. Uh, I haven't I don't recall seeing on Madden any time when somebody got sacked and went no huddle. I don't know how much time it cost, but it had to have been more than the average of 10 to 12 seconds. Um, if you get sacked, that pretty much means you're burning a timeout if you still have one. Um, so it's always good to make sure your protection is set and have some idea of where you can get rid of the ball if you need to. Now, I've always wanted to have my ideal two-minute drill drive, uh, get myself inside the 20 or inside the 10 with three timeouts left. Uh, I know that can be difficult to do, but at least two timeouts left because then your entire playbook is at your disposal. You can save one of those timeouts for the field goal attempt if you're needing it. Uh, you can also uh, stop the clock to change personnel if you want to. You know, going up and down the field, you can be fine running no huddle the whole time, but you get inside the 10, you may want more tight ends in the game or something like that. And that's why having timeouts at that point is really handy. Because if you've got 30 seconds left or whatever, you've either got to score or throw in complete passes. You really can't afford to get tackled inbounds. And of course, if you've got to kick a field goal on second or third down, you know, that's fine. But I've always thought I want every single down I can get here to try and score this touchdown because it's tough at the goal line to throw the ball into the end zone. Everything gets condensed 
and it's harder to find receivers. So you want to maximize the number of cracks you're going to get at it from that point. And that's why I try to save those timeouts if it's possible. Obviously, it's not always possible. Uh, things don't always go according to plan. Um, so that's always been my strategy when I'm trying to get to the other end of the field. I think that about covers it. If you have any other questions, I'll be happy to answer them. Uh, maybe help you refine your two-minute drill. So to summarize, have a plan. Know what the end of this drive needs to look like for you. And think of time, timeouts, and downs as resources. You are exchanging resources. How many yards are you getting in return? That's an important and very valuable way to think about it. And finally, we have some fan mail. Uh, some, I'm thinking this is a listener question. haven't actually opened it, so... We'll see what we got here, and uh, I'll answer that for our listeners because I always want to, I always want to cover whatever it is our listeners are asking for, and uh, you know I'm I'm big on the listeners. I appreciate them, and I hope they appreciate me. So what do we have here? Huh. This is not a question. This just appears to be women's panties. Let's. Oh, there's a note. Okay. Uh, let's see. This is the greatest podcast I've ever listened to. It has changed my life. Thank you so much for doing it. Sincerely, your biggest fan. Signed, Scarlett Johansson. Well, I, I expected a question, um, but that's, that's very nice. I will put that with the others. And that'll do it for today's podcast. So until next time, <clears throat> remember... There's no I in team, but there is a me in awesome.